I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And good morning, we welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the winning of the lost and the edification of God's saints. Gospel Dynamite is a ministry of Asbury Baptist Church located at 218 Asbury Church Road, Seagrove, North Carolina. I did to visit our church on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. Now will you join me in studying the Word of God. You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. Thank you for joining us. I want you to turn your Bibles with me. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Today we focus on when shepherds meet. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. There were in the same country... Shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a, with an angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go now even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. They came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying that which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. The Christmas season can be a dangerous time. And I'm not referring to shopping at Walmart, even though when you do that, sometimes you take life into your own hands, especially this time of year. I'm talking about the Christmas story. There's a danger... We can hear it so often that it becomes too familiar. There's a danger that we will lose the significance of the message because we're too familiar with it. Every year we tell the same stories told in the same ways. We talk about shepherds, angels, wise men, Mary and Joseph, and the baby Jesus. If we're not careful, that annual handling of such precious truth might just cause us to take it for granted. Now we know all the details, and if we're not careful, our familiarity with the Christmas story can cause us to overlook just how amazing the story truly is. Today, I want to challenge you and me to see it again for the very first time. We want to begin at the very announcement of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, to whom does God announce the birth of his son? And to whom would you expect the announcement to go? Now we could see how God might choose to announce the birth of Christ to Herod the king. 
We could see how he would want to announce the birth in a splendid ceremony in the temple led by the high priest. But we have a little bit of trouble understanding why he might choose to reveal this news to a ragtag band of shepherds. The announcement of the birth of the Son of God is not made to a king in a palace. It is not made to the priest in the temple. It is not made to the wealthy, the movers, the shakers, or to the most important people in the land. The announcement of the birth of the Messiah, of the one who would grow up to die on a cross for the sins of the lost, was made to a group of shepherds. At best, the shepherds were common. They were ordinary men. They were not the social elite. At worst, they were vile, dirty men who were, for the most part, social and religious outcasts. Now, most likely, these shepherds were tending their sheep just outside of Bethlehem. And by all accounts, they were tending sheep being uh, raised for use in the sacrifices down at the temple in Jerusalem. They were the last group of people that would expect God to make this kind of announcement to. They were the very group of men that were chosen to hear the glorious news of the Savior's birth. And the account of God's announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ to the shepherds contained some very important truths. First, I would bring to your attention while the shepherds met the shepherd of the soul, their lives changed forever. And that is the most important message of all in this and every Christmas season. I would show you in verse 9 the astonishment that they experienced. The Bible introduces us to a group of shepherds who were out in the fields at night keeping a protective eye on the flocks which which they had been entrusted. Now for them, this was another boring night with the sheep. Then, suddenly, the sky was filled with light. An angel descended from heaven clothed with light. The normalcy of that tranquil evening was shattered, and the Bible says they were sore afraid. Phrase means that they were seized with great fear and with a desire to run away. They were terrified. It's no wonder they were terrified. Imagine being who they were, seeing what they saw. What stands out the most in the first part of this passage is just who received this visit from heaven. Now, the angel of God comes to the most despised of people. He comes to the people who were outcast from all respectable society. The honesty, the integrity of shepherds in that day was so questionable that they were not even allowed to testify in a court of law in those days. Shepherds were so far down on the list of social outcasts that the only people lower were lepers. And I believe that God chose shepherds because he wanted to show that his love and his grace is available to all, and that he's not a respecter of persons. He does not show more respect to kings than he does to hourly wage earners. You may think, well, if God is even aware that I exist, he probably doesn't have a very favorable opinion of me. But deep down, a lot of people may feel like that 
themselves. No matter how insignificant you may think you are, God knows you and you are important. You're important to God and never, ever forget that. I want to bring your attention to what the Apostle Paul explains in his first letter to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26 through 28. This is where Paul would go and write, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And, ha and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught the things that are. Why? Because the answer is found in that same chapter in verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. No flesh should glory in his presence. Can you remember the astonishment that you felt when the Lord came to you, drawing you to Christ? Can you remember that fear that occupied your heart? Can you remember the amazement when you re realized the truth that all the people of the world at that moment, God was speaking to you. God wanted you. That's an astonishing moment when God breaks in on your life. What a blessing it is. It's the first step in seeing your life change forever. Verses 10 through 14, I would show you the announcement they received. Note with me the message the angel brought from God as he spoke to their most immediate need. When the angel said, fear not, the Bible says that they were sore afraid. When the angelic messenger suddenly appeared... The shepherds reacted in a normal human way in which they were terribly afraid. The announcement they received was very personal because the angel said, Unto you is born this day. The message from heaven is that God is interested in the individual. He cares about you. And when the Lord Jesus came into the world, he came as the Savior of the world, but he also came to be your personal Savior. And we should thank God, because when we think of him dying on the cross for the sins of many, we almost lose control when we think that he actually died for me. The announcement was not only personal, the announcement was powerful, because the angel speaks to them about a baby. Not just any baby, a specific, special baby. A baby that's identified by three specific and special names. The message of a birth was not unusual, but the message of this birth was extraordinary. Because this child was different from every other child that ever has been born and would ever be born in the world. The titles given to him by the angel declare his uniqueness. He is called Savior. He is the one 
who would give his life for the sins of his people. He is the one who robed his deity in humanity. He did not set off his deity for humanity. He added humanity to his deity. And he came into this world to die on a cross. He is the one who came to do what all the sacrifices and bloodshed in the tabernacle and the temple could never do. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 to 14, And every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin, forever sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. My friend, he is the Savior of all who will believe the gospel. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10, For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. He's called Savior. But he's also called Christ. Now, the word Christ here means anointed one, means the Messiah. He is the one promised from the very beginning, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. He is the one prefigured in all the sacrifices and all the Old Testament prophecies. He is the one God that said, he would come. He is the one the Jews anticipated every time they offered a sacrifice and kept a feast. He is the one for whom the world waited. He, my friend, is the Christ. But he's also called Lord. This title identifies him as sovereign God. This little baby was the one who spoke the universe into existence. He is the one who formed man out of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He is the one who controls the paths of the planets and the galaxies. He is the one who permits the movement of the most minute piece of dust. He is Lord of all. Yet, he lies in Bethlehem in the person of a helpless baby. For the first time ever, the creator is dependent on his creation, his mother. What condensation. What grace. What love. What glory to think that almighty God would humble himself to come into this world as a helpless child that we might be saved. 
See, you too may have a heart filled with fear this Christmas. Fear about your health, your family, your job security, the economy, the world conditions. But we need not fear because we have good tidings of great joy. Why? Because the Savior was born. Scripture has been fulfilled. Christ is Lord over all. Notice, too, that this news, the Bible says, will be to all people. This news is not just for a privileged few. Scripture says, whosoever will let him come. Jesus came to pay for the sins of all who would respond to his message in believing faith. He's available to all. Now, in reality, Jesus Christ died and his sacrifice is enough to cover the sins of the world. But in biblical reality, he died and his blood only pays for those who will come to him and respond to his message in believing faith. Yet, he is available to all. Now, after the angel's reassurance that they need not be afraid, verse 13 says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. There was a heavenly flash, and then angels surround the shepherds who were already bewildered. The words, a multitude, do not refer to 50 or 150 or even 1,500. The word multitude refers to a number that was beyond counting. It's amazing to consider that the heavenly hosts stretch from horizon to horizon to witness the most amazing event in the history of the universe. And then the heavenly host began to sing praises. Scripture says in Job 38 and verse 7 that at creation the angels sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Now they join voices again to welcome the birth of the Savior of mankind. See, the sign to them is that they will find the Christ child lying in a manger. No other child in Bethlehem was being born in a stable that night. No other baby in Bethlehem would be found in a crude feeding trough like this child. Thirdly, I would show you, verses 15 and 16, the acknowledgement they offered. Now these shepherds hear the message of the angels and they react. And how they responded to that message altered the course of their lives and I believe the courses of their eternities. Notice what they could have done. They could have debated it. They could have sat down and analyzed it. That's what we do, right? Could they afford to leave the sheep? What's going to happen while they're gone? Talking and talking and more talking. Or they could have rejected it just straight out. They could have said, this is not for me. The message is just too unbelievable. They could have dissected it. Well, it's too far to Bethlehem. This message is just asking too much. They could have doubted it. They could have just ignored it. They could have offered a number of uh, excuses. But the shepherds chose to believe it, and their faith is revealed in their words. They did not say, let us go and see if these things are true. They said, let us get now go and see this thing that has come to pass. They responded in pure faith. 
You see, it's not enough to hear about Jesus. It's not enough to look in the manger and say, oh, how nice this touching scene gives me all the good feelings that I, I like and I enjoy. But the truth is that if Jesus were born in Bethlehem a thousand times and not within you, you're still eternally lost. You can get all sentimental at Christmas. You can have the warm, fuzzy feeling. But if Christ is not born in your heart, it's a mockery of the reason that he came. What they actually did is exactly what changed their life in verses 15 and 16. They simply took the message at face value and went to Bethlehem to see the Christ child. That's the only response to God's invitation that will bring salvation to the soul. When the message comes to the lost sinner, it's a crucial moment. Either that sinner will heed the message and go to Christ, or that sinner will reject the message and continue in their sins. What they do with the message of the gospel determines how they will live out the remainder of their earthly lives and whether they will go into glorious heaven that we know to be with the Lord. John 8 and verse 24 says, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. It cannot be any more plain from the scripture. To receive the message of the gospel means a changed life in this world for the believer. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, we are become new creations in Christ. So if you're not a new creation in Christ, then you should definitely spend time in the Word and decipher what it means to be a child of God. Bible says in John chapter 8, and verse 24, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins for... If ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. To receive the message of the gospel means a changed life in this world for the believer. Now what that means is, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, that Christ, when he comes to us and we accept him by faith, we are made new creations in Christ Jesus. In addition... It also means a change of eternity for those when this life is over. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. So the question that must be asked and answered now is this, what have you done with Christ? Because what I would show you in verse 17 and 18 and also in verse 20, I would show you the advancement they enjoy. The shepherds hear the invitation, they respond to it, they head to Bethlehem. In verse 17 it says that when they had seen it, Hearing about Jesus is one thing, but seeing him for yourself makes all the difference in the world and especially in your life. When they met him for themselves, they wanted others to know about him, according to verse 17. When the shepherds met Christ, they were promoted to evangelist. God took these rough, coarse shepherds and he sent them out the message of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ and as the first evangelist of the New Testament era they did not emphasize what it was like to see an angel they did not emphasize what it was like to hear an angelic choir nor did they dwell on how frightened they were their main interest was in reporting that which was told them concerning this child. And on the way back to their flocks, they told everyone they met 
about the baby that had changed their lives, about the message, and the angel had given unto them. My friend, listen to me. When we meet Christ for ourselves, we want others to meet him too. There is a desire birthed within us to see our friends, our family, our acquaintances brought to faith in Christ. I wonder how many people, when they met on the way back to their fields, I wonder how many people in verse 18 did they see. And those people said, what in the world's all the fuss about? I'd like to think that maybe some of those folks walked into that manger scene and humbled themselves before the Lamb of God himself. Now, we'll never know who responded in faith to the gospel message until we get to glory. But our duty is to tell them. It's God's business to save them. Someone told me, and I had to see it for myself. That's why I'm here today. Now, let's remember who these shepherds are. They're real men. They're crude. They're tough. And they probably wouldn't want, you probably wouldn't want your sister, your daughter, to date one of these guys. The celebrating that these shepherds were doing was not the artistic praise as spoken about by the cultured. It's not, it was not the quiet reflection of the scholar. When the Bible says that they were glorifying and praising God in verse 20, these were not refined men. It's likely that they were the only kind of praising and glorifying that they knew was loud, boisterous, and excited, and I think it brought a smile to God's face. They met the Lord, and it filled their hearts with excitement. That same truth is to us as well. Meeting him fills the soul with his glory and his praise. So in verse 20, it says the shepherds, when they had seen such wondrous sights, they go back to the ordinary. Now that's true for us each year. For the celebration of Christmas, it's a very special time. But when the fun and the excitement is all over, we return to our jobs, our responsibilities. The shepherds, they return so full. And what had happened in their lives, they could not keep it to themselves from sharing the good news with everyone they came in contact with. They returned to the ordinary activities of life, but their lives were never the same. If we can simply encounter Christ at Christmas and throughout the year, my friend, we will never be the same. Being a shepherd was lonely, it was weary, it was usually boring, it could be tedious, it had its moments of extreme danger. But you know what these shepherds had going for them? They had seen the Lord. And God had promised his people that one day he would send the Messiah, and that when the Messiah came, everything would be different. And that hope, my friend, burned in their hearts, and it kept them going. When those shepherds met God, everything changed in their life.